What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Terror Table, a horror movie podcast that is presented by myself, Mitch, your boy, and also... Uh, also presented in high def by Boozy. Yes, so we are both here, and today we're welcoming a very special guest. He is a first-time guest, even though technically we have already recorded this episode and it completely botched last weekend. It was mm-hmm. due to powers out of our control. The audios just got super messed up, so we're, we're doing a little rehash here. But, pretending that we didn't already have all these conversations exactly but to be fair yeah whatever let's just get i'll keep going <laughs> um he is the he is the host of the popular youtube channel specifically blu-rays he is also the host of the new podcast scouring the depths which is a podcast dedicated to heavy music but most importantly he's my buddy finally and once again welcome to the terror table nathan jones well hello there how's everyone doing oh fantastic great now, now that you're, you're here Oh, geez, look at us. Mm. Look at us. Well, but I yes. just want to, I'm here to be happy. I'm here. I'm here to party. Oh, yeah. When we party, we will. So today we are going to be discussing Nathan's film pick of the week, which is Na Hong Jin's South Korean folk horror film, The Wailing from 2016. Uh, so we're going to do our normal thing to go around the table, talk about everything that we've seen recently. It's been a while. Uh, we get to know Nathan as well. Yeah, absolutely. I guess. Yeah, let's start off with that. So at this point, I think it's safe to assume that you're a horror fan. Uh, Very seldom do we ever bring on guests who are just not horror fans. So instead of the usual, what's your history with the genre? um, I want to kick things off with your thoughts on folk horror in particular. So Nathan, I know you're a huge fan of folk horror. Can you tell our list? Can you teach us like we're five? Yeah, um, so so uh, back in the day, when the olden times, um, back before we were even around, there were stories that would scare children, and uh, this would eventually turn into folk tales. Um, but no, no, I don't know. You said explained like we were five, so it just okay. like, went that it's route. It's working. So, I'm finally understanding. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm picking. So it um, as we're little children, we get scared by the things that we don't are able to see and things that we get to hear. Um, you know, and that happens all around the world. And uh, that's kind of at the heart of, of folk horror, um, honestly. Um, but, you know, folk horror is something that, like I said, is deeply and, you know, entrenched in, in all these different cultures. Uh, it means something different to every culture. Um, there's a, a lot of amazing, uh, recently um, great um, folk horror films that have uh, been portrayed, uh, along with things from the past. Uh, it's always been around. It's it's before the medium itself and uh, something that, uh, like I said, it's it's a lot of that unknown stuff uh, that really just uh, gets under our skin. And uh, it could be from from demons to spirits um, all the way to, you know, just just humans uh, trying to conjure up these things. So, uh, you know, folk horror is something that I, I hold really near and dear to my heart. I'm, I'm a huge fan of a lot of recent um outputs um on disc you know several films put out all the haunts brs box set which is a phenomenal box set that if you are interested in, in folk horror that's the place i would suggest starting or at least on the all the way all the uh the the documentary at least uh that kind of starts the whole thing is dark, a, it's a good dark start. and days bewitched correct yes it's like a woodlands dark. documentary yeah woodlands dark and days bewitched yeah. yeah yeah it's a wicked box set and um yeah okay that's good because i was actually wondering uh because like i watched the wailing obviously again and you know i've always considered myself a big fan of folk horror but the last couple i've seen have had a severe lack of mumford and sons uh, well explain? here there's a lot of well the the, the whole romp and stomp genre you know 
mm-hmm. stomp mm-hmm. your feet, clap your hands. Yeah, um, you know, you yeah, get your sure. ugly boots on. That's yeah. honestly enough horror that you need. You don't need anything else. Yeah. Well, we are we're living in a current renaissance, it seems, of folk horror stories, and you know, I think the the most notable one that really had an impact on you know the cultural like cinema and people like moviegoers was uh robert Egger, robert eggers the witch which we i know we're all huge fans of here and um yeah like it's obviously it's it's huge to me the druid's hands a folk folk horror story and uh i i love i love this subgenre boozy how are how do you feel about folk horror yeah, I think uh, folk horror is always something that's really entertaining. And it's uh, kind of how Nathan had mentioned, like it, it goes back and it's such a primal thing, like that idea of storytelling with one another. And maybe that kind of shifting in terms of what the story becomes, if you're looking like way back, because, you know, pretty much every uh, folk horror, like folk tale is, yeah, it's more rooted in like uh, kind of horrorish elements. And usually it's pretty far off from what the actual thing truly was and i have a question about that would you consider more contemporary or newer versions of horror uh, folklore being stuff where like remember we all were talking about on the playground about you know marilyn manson uh, removing a rib to uh, suck his own i feel mm-hmm. like that technically was kind of like it was like folklore because it was just like so much just verbal you know everybody was telling each other about it and it always was you know, the details might have been different, but that part always kind of remained the same. So would you consider that to be like a more modern-ish? <laughs> Nathan, I think, I think what he's trying to say is, is Marilyn Manson removing his own rib to suck his own dick considered a folk horror? Yeah, is that contemporary? So I've heard, so I've heard several times in, in the school hallways. Um, right. You know, I do think, I do think you bring up a good point on that. Like, I... Unfortunately, I don't want to go the route of how conspiracy theories have more or less become, you know, something really, really insane in the last like five to six years. Are um, you saying they're kind of like less fun folklore? It's like weirdo folklore. Well, that so that one's more fun because it's, it's it's rather harmless. <laughs> I, I feel like right, right, right. Um, but then there's the the ones that uh, have went down the the crazy political rabbit hole that I'm just like you know we can just leave X Files at the door. I mean I obviously I love X Files, but are you talking about some... this Q thing that you were trying to get me a part of a couple of years ago? Uh, I gotta go. Um, you know <laughs> I uh, I'm I, just I, kidding. I'm just kidding. Apparently um, you want a new watch. Apparently the FBI said you're on a, a watch list, so you get a yeah. new one if you go down there. Listen. So there's this there's this pyramid that I'm I'm really involved in, and right, I think right. I think both of you guys can can really benefit from from the benefits. Right. Of, if we if we start learning. at the bottom and work our way up, right? Like, yeah. oh, great well, it's success. kind of like a upside down one. So like, oh, you start right, at the right, right. yeah, and then you go to the top, but mm-hmm. you go down. Right, right, right. That's a great idea. Yeah, back to yeah. folk horror no quickly. <laughs> uh, back to folk horror quickly. I want to uh, just touch on a little bit. Like Nathan, what are some of your favorite folk horror films? Uh, they can be recent. They can be of all time. Because um, I want to highlight one I've talked about on the show, uh, but it's on that box set. So I want to I want to see what you're thinking. Yeah, um, some of my favorite. I mean, I, I to obviously you mentioned the witch, which is the re- really the reason why it all started with me. Like that was that was kind of my first real love of folk horror. And like you wanted my, to live deliciously. I did, and yeah. I have Black Philip in the corner. Uh, he watches over my collection as we speak um along with paddington which you know good combo right, right there yeah good um, cop, bad cop yeah good cop bad cop and the bad cop is paddington and <laughs> um so anyway um 
yeah, no, it's, it's, it's that. Um, and then, you know, obviously we mentioned, like, we're going to be mentioning the whaling. I think this was another thing that kind of went back a few years ago and that really caught my eye. Um, but of course, Wicker Man is one that, um, obviously is, is super well-known. It's probably the best well-known folk horror film, I would say. Um, that movie is delightful and it still continues to be impressive. Um, but besides that, you know, uh, in that box set, there's a, quite a bit of things in there that I really, really like clear cuts. One that I really enjoy. That's which... the one I was about to talk about. So that's, okay. that was my discovery of the year for 2022, which we never, I didn't end up talk, <laughs> talking about on that episode. Sorry, our year end episode, but clear cut was easily far and away my favorite discovery of the year. And it's, it's a Canadian made film, you know, stars legendary Graham Greene. And uh, that movie just fucking blew me away. And it's on Shutter. Like most of this stuff is on Shutter these days. So you have access. People, everyone has access to see these really cool movies that kind of faded into obscurity over the years. Yeah, I was going to say I um, I did an episode with Lindsay, a good friend of ours um, on Lindsay. her podcast. Shout out. Yeah. Lindsay. And we actually did a combination of that film uh, where she chose that one. And um, I actually um, I'm trying to think of the name as Eyes I'm of talking. Fire Paddington, not eyes. We didn't talk about Eyes of Fire, but we, we will talk about that film as well. But I talked about uh, Celia, the Australian mm. film um, that's in, the, in that box set from 1989. That movie is absolutely fantastic. It definitely reminds me of a weird Pan's Labyrinth, which uh, Pan's Labyrinth, I would consider to be a folktale as well. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I'm a major, major fan of that. So honestly, Folklore, like it naturally comes into the things that I love, which is just really strange, like how it combines. I mean, I know we talked about this um, kind of off camera, but our our shared mutual love of metal and like that that dark um, side of music. I feel like it all encompasses this genre very, very well mm -hmm. as well. You know, totally. Yeah, you can find like there's so many moments in these legendary folklore movies that are just prime guitar solo material like just metal as hell especially eyes of fire that's one I, I watched recently as well and boozy have you seen eyes of fire i have not yeah it's a, that one's had on eyes of fire yeah that's you just do have eyes of passionate fire. eyes yeah we showed that one at the saskatoon fantastic film festival a couple of years ago along with clear cut and i had missed the clear cut screening uh but every year they always do like retrospectives of like certain kinds of, of films and they chose full core that year and um eyes of fire is just wild but it has one of my favorite it's there's a moment in it. I'm not going to say it's better than the sleeping bag scene in Prophecy, but it's similar oh, and it involves man. a wild explosion. Um, I think the whole movie itself is just like, don't get me wrong. I love I love Prophecy, but Eyes of Fire is like a better movie. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it, it makes it feel a little more. Wait, do you know Eyes what I'm talking about, Nathan? Bear? I do. The yeah. explosion with the kid. I will say I have not seen Prophecy, which is a shame. Oh, but. Yeah, I shame know. on you. Shame. Everyone needs to see shame. prophecy. Everyone needs to see prophecy. Not the one Even with Christopher you. Walken. Even though I, that audience. one I've heard is good as well. I guess I'll have yeah. to see. Yeah. I'll have to watch both and see which one we prefer. For sure. <laughs> well, that's great. This was a really nice start on Folk Horror. Why don't we just start talking about other things that we've seen recently? Who wants to lead us off? How about we, we give you a little bit of a break, Nathan? Boozy, why don't you tell us about something you've watched recently? Sounds good. Uh, I think maybe the first thing we should address overall is something that you and I both watched together. 
which is sure. uh, which is a rare occurrence. While you were visiting in Vancouver, while you were working, mm-hmm. uh, we went out for a nice din-din, and then we capped the night off with uh, a, a viewing of M. Night Shyamalan's Knock at the Cabin. Yes, which is based off of a Paul Tremblay book that we both also read. So I feel like yeah. we're we're well versed in this overall. Uh, but the you guys can read. We can. Yep. It's it's Big actually flex. this this yeah this really cool party trick we pull out where we read a menu. <laughs> <laughs> Man, so lucky, so lucky. Um, yeah, and I I read it a couple of summers ago as well. So uh, what did you what did you think of the film? You know, I think that it relied heavily on its strong suits, which number one is the hulking but uh, mischievous and lovable in a weird way, Dave Batista. Um, I think that overall, the 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 entire cast comparatively um, just really felt like they were in his shadow for having some like really uh, great actors in here. Like I thought Rupert Grint was great. He didn't really get a chance to shine because he just wasn't there that long. Um, And then I'm really bad with his actual name, but Holden from um, Mindhunter is also in this. Um, And and he just, yeah, he kind of feels like a a background character in his own movie. But overall, uh, I think it was kind of a cool idea um, obviously, like the, I think the the book takes a more interesting route overall, maybe a more ambitious route overall. This feels like kind of the safe play overall on this, but it's it's a cool a cool story concept. It really does feel like I don't know when I when I read the book, it felt like more time had passed, but maybe that was just my concept of it because it does feel like this goes really really quick once it starts. Mm-hmm. I, and I guess that makes more sense that they they're kind of pressured on time. But yeah, it, it did feel like everybody just accepted everything really quick as it was coming up. Um, kind of the ritualistic elements of it, they kind of shy away a bit from it. It's kind of more of like what you'd expect from a mainstream horror film. Like you get the implications of what's going on, but they tend to lean away from it. I think they showed a little bit of blood pooling. but um, And then, yeah, there was a couple parts that uh, me and uh, Jason particularly thought were, were pretty humorous uh with the the airplane or whatever it's it's hard to not laugh at the some of yeah the... you don't want to yeah we don't want to spoil it but at the same time i'm pretty sure that that kind of stuff is in the trailer but whatever we'll we'll skirt around it a little bit i, I didn't say what they were doing they're just airplanes <laughs> yeah no for sure but uh yeah no i was a huge fan of the book i think it's still my favorite book from paul tremblay and uh i do consider myself a fan I know that some people don't really like that he tends to lean into ambiguity and a lot of his endings like there's a a little while there. I haven't read any of his recent books from the last like year and a half, two years. Um, I think Kevin at the end of the world is the most like his latest works that I have read up to Mm -hmm. Um, just got busy. And yeah, like we we had talked about before, reading is hard. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I really like the book and I liked the ending in the book a, a lot and uh i think that out of all the books that i have read by him that do end off ambiguously i think it's most suited like it's suited well here and knock at the cabin and uh not really a spoiler but you're that's not what you're going to get from m night Shyamalan. m night Shyamalan is not going to give you an ambiguous ending mm-hmm. uh if anything he's known for the opposite of doing that and i i was really interested in seeing what he would do with the material uh, I do consider myself an M Night fan. I know that he, his works are very inconsistent. There, there was a very dark patch there, but I personally would put Knock at the Cabin right in the middle of the road for his filmography. 
I don't think it's near his best, but it's also certainly nowhere near his worst. Uh, there are now only two M. Night movies I haven't seen, which is The Last Airbender and After Earth. But uh, yeah, I just... Uh, I don't Nightmare know. There, movie rotation right there. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, Save it for a rainy day. For sure, but I don't know. The things about... I really like Knock the Cabin. I'll get that out of the way. I, I really enjoyed it. It didn't necessarily like blow me away or anything like that, but I was... If there's something that really stood out for me, it's the the direction from M Night and like the cinematography. I really loved the extreme close-ups that he pulls off in this movie, and it's so well suited for the story. Um, but the best thing, without a doubt, is Dave Bautista. I'm not gonna lie; I've been getting kind of irritated by all of the articles and interviews uh, with with Bautista or people talking about his work and him saying that he's like. I'm done playing these superheroes. Like I want to be a dramatic actor. And I'm like, man, you should be proud that you are as good at playing a character like Drax as you are like in guardians of the galaxy He's tremendous. And I know he was good in blade runner as well. Um, but this is a whole other level. Like he stole the movie. And I personally think that the acting was strong across the board in this thing. Um, but Batista, without a doubt, he, he steals the show. And I think, now it's like, oh, I, I get it. I, I want to see him in more roles like this. Like he can handle this really meaty material. And and uh, yeah, I, I really loved his his performance. But the one gripe I have with the movie, uh, actually, I'm sure I have more, but uh, I had this issue going into the movie is there's something that happens in the book that I love. It was the part that hooked me and like got me. I was like, oh, man, I have no idea where they're going to go from here because of this decision. And when I saw the trailers, I'm like, there is no way M. Night has the cojones to, to pull something off like that, like to, to include something as grim in his stories. Like, I just couldn't see it happening, uh, but I'm going to eventually get to it. <clears throat> I watched Old as well, and he actually, yeah, so he doesn't do what I assumed he wasn't going to do and knock at the cabin. The movie still turned out really well, I thought. Um, but for me, it was like, it's missing the teeth that that, that story had. Mm -hmm. uh that made it truly devastating but um but yeah he i think that i think that i'm gonna leave it on that fair so. i still need to see it myself but i'm a, oh, do I'm you a fan hate of cinema the, i do i do not oh. actually watch any movies um i i have only seen the ones i've mentioned so far right and that's yeah. that's it and that's it I, so. well i mean you know if you if you really want to see it you don't have to like run out and see it you could like walk i don't think even like a fast walk is that's like maybe a bit too much even a yeah. nice uh nice jog yeah exactly so figure you know maybe so i the, i give it a thumbs up i recommend it um i definitely had a lot of fun with it do should we move on to nathan nathan what have you seen recently yeah so um i had a really busy january uh, i watched 50 movies which is insane um I, just because I got sick twice and I had time on my hands. So I'll just talk about three real quick. Um, I watched uh, Bad Moon for the first time. Hell yeah. Eric which, Red's classic. Yeah, I, I really love that. I was somehow weirdly in a, a weird werewolf kick, kind of the tail end of October last year. Right. And I bought a bunch of just Blu-rays that I'm like, oh, I don't have this yet. And there's several ones like that um late faces is one and mm -hmm. that's another one have you watched that I one also yet? i haven't seen that one yet okay um, you're in for a treat with that one as well 
yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm excited when I, when I get in a hairy situation, you know what I mean? So oh, a little bit boo. later on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, hey. How dare you? You know, now that you but, mention uh, Bad Moon and your, you know, your collectorisms, it's weird that you mentioned that because I was looking the other day, there is a German box set for Bad Moon that's got like all this like alternate art, but it's been like discontinued and sold out. So that's like my new challenge in life is to find that one. Um, but what did you think overall of uh, Bad Moon? Because obviously like the standout in this, aside from the beautiful German Shepherd, is the, the werewolf. Yeah, I was going to say the dog. Yeah, the, <laughs> the werewolf itself yeah. and, and how like, I, I still think maybe, you know, obviously I grew up with that film and I have a deep love for it, but like I feel the like the werewolf and that holds up pretty darn well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like from the opening shot, which is <laughs> wild, um, the, the locale for the for the first the first first scene didn't expect it to be uh in like deep in the jungle um <laughs> I, I don't even know where they were at i want to say south america um, yeah it's got like that arachnophobia type yeah. Of opening yeah they're just somewhere in yeah. mongolia and <laughs> they're like all right well yeah and there happens to be some some wolf in the jungle and then tears everyone to shit so no it looks good i i, I think it looks great um i was gonna say it reminds me Weirdly enough, like it's like an adult version of like a goosebump story. Yeah, um, totally, totally. I think that yeah, that's like yeah. the the kid and the dog having that like friendship. I think that kind of really like it has those like go get them moments. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, it's no werewolf fe- uh, fever swamp, which is uh, you know uh, that's one tough. of our yeah one of our favorites. Yeah, I mean that scared the shit out of me as a kid. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Batman was really good. I, I was really surprised by that. Uh, I'm pretty sure so. that's streaming somewhere in the US. Uh, I saw John Squires from Bloody Disgusting posting about it. I think it might be Peacock or something like that because we don't have Peacock. Either way, yeah, we Bad just Moon have is available Peacock online here. somewhere. Mm. What's that? <laughs> what, Not, we just no have... Peacock. We, he's got, you got Peacock. Yeah, we have Peacock down here. Is that what you said? So, <laughs> so I love he... you, Daisy. And the part of Peacock is reminiscent of pissed. Peacock. And then We're gonna... poo is poop. Yeah. Do you understand now, Mitch? Yeah. 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 I think I get it. This is a good one. Okay. Okay. That anyway, was, uh, I'm sorry for derailing everyone with Peacock. No, you just got to keep going with it. Just keep. I mean, that's I used to teach, and this is exactly how I got my students. I just nailed them with with Peacock. You know, with, with funny words. Peacock. Words that had funny words. Yeah. That was that but, was tremendous work, Boozy. Okay, um, I just yeah. want to point that okay. out. Okay, sorry, we, well, where were we going with this? Well, this is a segue actually, because the next movie I watched was a horror comedy, um, one from my childhood that also scared the hell out of me, uh, and that is Dracula Dead and Loving It. And yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I've never seen you that. know Leslie Nielsen is is probably one of the greatest actors of all time, and all he had to do was just play himself. And mm-hmm. he doesn't have to. He has like it's crazy as range. Have you have you guys seen Forbidden Planet? By the way, uh, yes, yes. I, I watched sorry, that I got, a little I, while ago. I believe is that's on. Yeah, I forbidden. think it's on Tubi as well. Probably. Yeah, that's like the one movie where like it's. I mean, I know he was in several things before he became Leslie Nielsen, like we see him in Airplane and whatnot. Um, but like seeing him in serious roles is very interesting because he seems like he's playing the same character. It's just the, the way he's delivering it is always hilarious. So, yeah, but Dracula dead and loving it, not a great movie at all. It's just super fun. Like, yeah. And I just, I had such a good time with it. Uh, um, like honestly, like just when he meets, uh, you know, Jonathan Harker for the first time, just 
seeing him like trip down the stairs, his shadow, like is getting Always all like, funny pain. stuff. Never miss. So him. what? What is? Because I haven't seen it. What? What is the plot of this? What is the? What? Do you, why is he dead? And what's he love? Same as Dracula. That's yeah. It's just a spoof of Dracula. Oh, like so. It's just like kind of more of a contemporized at the time. Not contemporary at all. It's no. like oh, it's okay. set just like Bram Stoker's Dracula, but with Leslie Nielsen. And with all that slapstick humor, I would mention to you guys uh, when we talked about this before that I think that that was the first movie I ever saw in the theater, which explains so much about me mm-hmm. and like how fucking deranged I can be. Because he loves it. What I do love it. What which what child is going to see Dracula dead and loving it? I can still remember the day and where I was sitting when I saw that movie. Uh, haven't seen it in years, but it's at the top of my list for movies I want to do on the podcast. I want to talk about Dracula dead and loving it. Young Frankenstein. Evans Costello meet Frankenstein all that kind of stuff because uh, I know movies Dracula dead and loving is like widely known as one of his worst movies but I loved yeah. it as a child I just haven't seen it since well I, as you said that you're still like this is one of your first memories that you probably are still there as yeah, a child for sure. you yeah, still got a, child. a big soft spot for it I am yeah, yeah I am, and I am a child that's <laughs> awesome so you you enjoyed it though <laughs> yes I loved it um yeah I um uh, yeah, no, it definitely definitely is is something that maybe it doesn't hold up necessarily, but there's nostalgia at play. Yeah. So, um, and then the last movie I watched, which we didn't talk about last time when we were initially talking about this, I finally watched Pearl. Oh okay. yes, I was talking about Pearl this morning and, with some buds. And were you a, a fa- before we talk about Pearl? Were you a were you an X guy? Did did X gonna give, it to, give it to you? <laughs> X yeah. did give it to me. Um, um, you know, along with uh, Pearl and Hank and um, their, their nice little gator. Isn't is it mm. Hank? Isn't his name Hank? Can't remember, but that was yeah. a highlight last year. The gator yeah, kill. Yeah, we, love... we appreciate a good gator kill mm-hmm. at the terror table. Yeah, no, X, X was uh, really, really good. And I was really surprised. And actually, I remember as I was watching the film and I because I saw, saw it in theaters and I remember near the end of it when the, the credits were happening and I I had no idea, by the way, that there was anything extra, but I just had a weird hunch that something was going to happen. And I remember that uh, mutual Daniel and Chris had seen it, two mutual friends of ours. Um, Shout out Daniel, Chris. Yeah. And uh, they had seen it, but they hadn't seen like past the credits. They left, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then I, I watched it and then there was the trailer for Pearl. And I was like, what? Uh, there's another movie. And then I feel like it was hush hush for like two or three weeks. Like nobody knew about Pearl. Like it was. Yeah. I remember like when, when I saw, cause I saw it opening weekend and I remember it was like, it found out like three weeks later that Pearl yeah. was happening and he had already shot it. Right. Yeah. Cause he did it simultaneously kind of with X and yeah. um, which is just wild to me. And then I, I showed them like the bootleg. There's like a YouTube video of like somebody in the theater, like taking the video of, of pearl and and then uh so that's my first iteration of it but it took me forever because i i just watched it just recently i i waited for it to be on blu-ray so um but i enjoyed it uh i didn't enjoy it as much as x um i just didn't think it was as engaging um i feel like it just lacked uh, a few characters there there could have been a little bit more and i feel like their their locales were were fun and stuff um and i i really like the bright aesthetic nature yeah. of the whole thing because it was pretty much all in daylight um but yeah overall i still enjoyed it though i had a really good mm-hmm. time with it yeah i think i'm on the, i'm in the same boat as you i'm not sure like i really i really really liked pearl but i like fucking loved x 
Um, but I gotta I gotta watch them both again. But I did have a lot of I'd like what I took away from Pearl was I felt like it was like the psycho sequels. And I love the psycho sequel, so that was a treat for You're me. You're a big psycho two fan. I love psycho two. He two is the psycho. Yeah, psycho two. Let's get jiggy with it. That's <laughs> what it's called. Ooh. Almost yeah. like ele- Psycho 3 Electric Boogaloo, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Precisely. All right, Boozy, do you want to hit us with another one? Oh, yeah. I got lots for you guys this week. I'm Give I- it to me, Daddy. <laughs> <I'm-> <laughs> I will. Um, I'm going to get out, give you the this the very not exciting one first, just to get it out of the way, but I thought I'd mention oh, it. Oh, you want smoke? You want some smoke? <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> All right, sir. Keep going. All right. So the first one is 1989's Night Shadow. So Night Shadow is like a made for TV werewolf movie. Oh my god. Yeah, I managed to find this somehow. Uh and it's about a big shot TV newswoman who returns to her home for a vacation as several of the town's residents start dying under mysterious circumstances. Uh so this is a very strange werewolf movie. I've seen a lot of werewolf movies and this one's very, very peculiar. Uh it's the first time I've ever seen werewolf kung fu kind of come together at mm. last. Uh, I appreciate werewolf kung fu. Oh my god. I it it's uh it's something. I I don't know if you guys look up like the the actual creature itself it's pretty stupid looking which is kind of the reason you watch these films. So that's a little unfortunate, but you know, um um i i wouldn't really recommend this to anybody i'm just kind of like <laughs> hey i uh i've seen another werewolf movie you did it i did it well werewolf kung fu is enough sell for me yeah i mean honestly actually I, man, anything anything does, kung fu does the werewolf look like just a large pomeranian yes yes Okay. Um, and I'm just gonna ruin a scene from this, but it made me laugh so much. Is at one point, uh, they hit this Iranian werewolf with a car and pin it against a wall, kind of like like Terminator. Um, and then this guy's trying to shoot at it, and he's literally like at the he's at the trunk trying to shoot this thing from the hood and misses every shot. And they spend like a good amount of time showing the fact that he misses and he screams every time he misses. And it, it just, it warmed my heart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nathan sees it. it. It Does it look like a Pomeranian? Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah. Like Pomeranian. And Pomeranians are cute, but do we want a Pomeranian monster? Actually, holy shit. That just jogged my memory. There's a, there's a short film at Screamfest that was all about a killer Pomeranian and it was fucking amazing. Oh, so we're proving it's called Night Shadow. <laughs> I guess it's 1989's Night Shadow. <laughs> it was not. It was not. Um, yeah, it was great though. But uh awesome. So Night Shadow, not good. Nope, not that's a recommend. A, that's a bad shadow. <laughs> yeah, so we're gonna move I... on to some more positive things. Okay. So the next one, uh, this is oh man, I believe this is a Tubi movie. I yes, this is on Tubi. So I checked out 2009's The Thaw. Um, and the thaw is stars uh, everyone's favorite Val Kilmer. I always love a good Val Kilmer. Uh, and this is a bug horror movie. It's basically the thing. 
if you like the thing, you'll probably like this. It has some cool Jesus effects. Boozy. Overall, it has an interesting. I, it has an interesting idea. Uh, the cover itself really doesn't do justice to how cool of a little film this is. I'd recommend if you're into like bug movies, this is a fairly serviceable. I had a lot of fun watching this. I will watch it, but for future. <laughs> comparing anything to the thing like that's such a high bar to set and no I just it's just it, no not in that it just it takes the idea of the thing basically and then so okay. many films do that so yeah. if if you're into that idea i'm not saying it's like the thing it just it takes that it's, it is the thing yeah guys it, it's a it's a low-key 2009 remake of the thing starring val kilmer which we all okay. asked for yeah, I, I added it to my list because you were mentioning it to me over text message the other day and it looks it looks cool. Yeah. So, you know, I, I know that Tubi's popping off right now. A couple of people have mentioned to me that there was Tubi commercials at the Super Bowl. Where, like, where is Tubi getting this money from? Ads. <laughs> All their ads are also I... very peculiar. I saw an ad that had I can't remember what actor it was, but it was somebody who was like, is this from? 2011 this like why are all these people here i love Tubi, but i i think i've said it on the show before nothing in the world can deflate a tense scene like a white spot commercial that kicks in because <laughs> it's all like targeted and i'm sure nathan like i'm pretty sure white spot is just like a bc thing i'm, I'm not entirely sure but it's like a it's a burger it's basically i guess you guys don't even have boston pizza jesus it's like a chilies you guys got chilies right yeah, we have. <laughs> okay. Um, awesome, Boozy. Uh, I, you're, you're. Can you turn your uh, camera on and off? I think you're frozen. Oh yeah, my whole thing, my whole Zoom is uh, like stuck loading, so I can't do anything okay. about it. Yeah, all good. I have, um, I have cool. one thing to say. What's that? I've got to. I've got to add to the um, to the Tubi commercial. I I may have been watching the game at that time, and I may have had a little something that uh, completely even like tricked me even more mm -hmm. when that happened. Crystal and meth? I was, I was on crystal meth. I'm in Missouri. So yes, oh, okay. I was on crystal meth and uh, it completely tripped me up. Like it did many of uh, families where, you know, I'm sure little sons and daughters were getting yelled at by their parents. Like, don't change the channel. What are you doing? And I'm just like, after seeing it now, I have a tough time picturing that these decisions were unintentional. Uh, like that the result of these decisions was unintentional. I feel like M. Knight had to have known what he was doing. There were moments in the movie, basically, long story short, if people are wondering, they haven't seen the film, a uh, group of people go like from different walks of life, end up on an island, and they're unable to get off, and they are aging at a rapid pace. So it is a ridiculous concept, but I was there from the get-go for this concept. It's, you know, it's a lazy comparison, but... It's very much a Twilight Zone-esque type story. Um, but yeah, like there are moments in this movie where I feel like M. Night had to have just been making fun of himself or like calling himself out for past decisions he's made and, you know, kind of taking the piss from it. And it was really funny. Like I, I assume that this movie is meant to be really funny at a couple of moments because it definitely is. Obviously, it's like a little jarring seeing people age so quickly and it gets so wacky and out of control. Um, but yeah, I like there's one part. Have you guys both seen this movie? Yes. I have not. Okay, Boozy. I actually think this is one that you would get a kick out of because really? it's... I was gonna say I have like zero interest in this. Okay, well then yeah, maybe don't. But well, Dave uh, Batista, Dave Batista is not in this, so he's I not. understand. No, but yeah. uh 
yeah, I don't know. The, for me, yeah, it's it's it feels like there are moments in it where he's making fun of his movies like The Happening and Lady in the Water, which aside from Airbender and After Earth, which I haven't seen, I would consider his worst movies. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. There, there's like a, a really gnarly scene where the, the character, the the model, she like basically folds herself into a meatball. I don't know if you remember the image of that, Nathan, but I was like mm-hmm. jumping out of my bed being like, what the fuck am I watching? And it pretty much blew me away that it was M. Night. It fumbles pretty hard at the end with the, the reveal of what's actually happening. But at that point, I just didn't really care. I was just having fun with what I was being given. And and I got to say, I, I liked old. <laughs> I had fun with old. Uh, definitely, definitely a fan, I think. Um, but yeah, what's your, what's your two B rating or what's sorry. What's your letterbox rating? It's I gave it three <laughs> out of five, but I gave knock at the cabin three and a half out of five. And I'm, if I'm being honest, I think knock at the cabin's a better movie, but I had more fun with old. Fair. So, I'm trying fair. to remember what I gave old because I remember if when I, I, I gave it a two and a half. So I gave it a, a an average score, which is I think what it is at the moment on here. But no, I feel like, I feel like, people either had fun with this or they didn't mm-hmm. <laughs> like you were kind of saying. And um, I watched it in theaters myself and I, I, I did quite enjoy it. Even if I gave like a two and a half, like I, I still think a two and a half film is a film that I still enjoyed. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just not something that, you know, it, I necessarily loved. I think the ending did definitely like throw me off a little bit. And then some of the acting was a little bit like, like, all right. Um, yeah. But I think that's part of what I liked about it. Like, some of it feels like it's bad acting, but I don't know if it is bad acting. I feel like they're just, it's the dialogue that they're expected to deliver. And I'm kind of here for it. It is, is very wild. Like you said. So honestly, ha- having heard you talk about it a little bit, I definitely want to revisit it and, and go into it thinking a little bit more of like, this is just a silly M. Night Shyamalan film and we'll it's, see how yeah. it goes. It's to me, this is, this is the watchable version of lady in the water. And I at one point loved Lady in the Water. Last time I watched it, which will be the, I think the very last time I ever watch it was when we did our retrospective on the terror table when we first started. Right. And I remember, yeah, I remember going into it, uh, like going into that episode being like, I'm going to be excited to talk about Lady in the Water because I feel like I'm one of the only people on earth who likes it. And then on that rewatch, I was like, oh, this is, this is real bad. (laughs) (laughs) That movie uh, sucks. So old doesn't i had fun with old it's ridiculous yeah, fair. um yeah so i have that and then i got one last one but let's go around the table one more time maybe and then we'll get on to our main nathan speech. do you have anything left in the tank i haven't maybe some less horror films it's more of a horror personal horror story for myself um okay. but um you guys are aware of ingmar bergman right big and fan I push my i'm push my glasses up as i say yeah, that nerd <laughs> Yeah, pretty much, um, which is the, why it's the last time I'll be here. Uh, anyway, um, so uh, no, I've uh, I've had his uh, Ingmar Bergman's cinema box set uh, from Criterion for like the last five years. And I started off pretty strong with uh, our good buddy, Chris Rotato. Him and I went on a kind of a simultaneous journey back then. And uh, we kind of just stopped because these are heavy, heavy yeah. fucking films. Um, but. I told myself this year is like, hey, man, you got to finish some box sets. You got a lot of movies in your collection that you haven't touched. And so I, I've been slowly over January and February been going through the rest of the, the box set. There are 39 movies in that thing. 
So it, it's a lot. And I now officially have two left. Nice. So that's, that's my sol- you you took a solid ass chunk out of that. Yeah. yeah. So that that was a, a flex. Let's now talk about you give it give us your favorite one or your favorite two. Um well it's weird because I I've always of the of the discoveries I'll just I'll just mention it that like things that I hadn't seen before because there's there's definitely ones I wanted to go in the because it's 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 uh set up like it's a film festival so the mm-hmm. entire box set has like opening night centerpiece one all the way centerpiece two and three and then all the way to closing night so it's set up kind of like that like a kind of a four to five day film festival and um of the films that I had seen that I really enjoyed um, on this one, um, there was actually one that is kind of like a horror film, actually. So I guess it kind of, uh, in a way, Winterlight? Uh, kind of went, what was it? Winterlight? Oh, uh, Winterlight's more actually like um, what's the Ethan Hawke film? Paul Schrader. First Reformed. First Reformed. That's yeah. literally the, the same plot <laughs> as oh, that. Nice. Um, uh, but it's great. Uh, but no, I actually saw uh, the movie um looking at it right now come on now uh well uh i would say the silence the silence is a, a movie that is um very much a, akin to winter light because it's in the same trilogy um it's it's in his uh god trilogy things um that the lack thereof i guess um but there's a lot of of cold moments in it and there's some really scary scary things going on in the in the film itself uh, i really love how bergman sometimes just jumps into like the magical realism kind of like um it you know it just sometimes maybe a character's having a nightmare and then it just becomes like a horror sequence it almost feels like a david lynch scene Mm -hmm. and and sometimes he throws that stuff in there and i I really appreciate that kind of stuff persona is also like that i don't know if you've seen persona absolutely so um i'm a burg head i think you're what we call each other burger heads burt burger heads I'm a Big. Demu Burger. Demu no, Burger. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, so yeah, Ingmar Bergman's box set from Nathan. Watch uh, all 39, everyone. All there of them. We go. That's my recommendation. Awesome. Boozy, do you have one you want to close us out on? Yes, I have one left I want to talk about. Uh, so this is a Netflix film. It is from 2022. And I mean, I think if I would have watched it before we had recorded our best of the year i probably would have thrown it on there but i watched uh 2022's hellhole um so this is probably one of the better films i've found on netflix and i'd never really heard of it i believe it is a polish film but it's basically a detective goes undercover at a monastery because people keep disappearing and i think this is right up your alley mitch something that you would definitely enjoy it's uh very satanic very evil um has some really amazing imagery i think the last 20 minutes is just like it's delicious it's great i think uh if you if you can handle hang along for the ride until it gets to its climax i think you're really gonna appreciate this film so definitely for anybody who wants to check that out it's it's pretty gruesome it's pretty serious there's not very many ha-has to be had Awesome. Uh, I'm very excited to to watch this one. And I pr- promise I haven't watched anything else in its place since I told you I was going to watch it. That's next up on my list. Uh, so I'm looking forward to checking that one out because it sounds up my alley and hearing how much you loved it. That gets me excited. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, last thing I want to close off on then. Are you guys good to get on to our main feature after this? 
Mm-hmm. Oh Just yeah. Qu- quickly mention yeah. that I I had a chance to see 2023's Infinity Pool, so the new movie from Brandon Cronenberg. And I think he has, without a doubt, proven himself to not be just another quote-unquote Nepo baby. Uh, the dude has chops. And he, like, as I'm a huge fan of David Cronenberg, um, I worry that David Cronenberg's best visions that he has to show us might be behind us at this point, which is no shade to him. Like, I mean, look at that guy's body of work. You make a movie even half as good as The Fly or Videodrome, you can make as many Cosmopolises as you want. You're still a legend in my books. Um, but you know, crimes of the future was fairly underwhelming for me. I wasn't a big fan. So having Brandon Cronenberg come in and fill that, fill that hole and scratch that itch for me has been something really rewarding. Um, I loved possessor. That was my favorite movie of 2020. Uh, when we talked about that a couple of years ago, but, uh, and I still think possessor is by far, far and away his best movie, but infinity pool it's, it's deranged as hell. And it's really fun. I had a really good time watching it. Um, he's the type of guy who he builds these elaborate worlds to uh, that work off of rules that he creates that, but he doesn't ever really feel the need to explain how they work. And mm-hmm. I could see how that would, you know, irk some people. But for me, the with the concepts being as big as they are, I'm just on board from start to finish. So I am really looking forward to watching this one again. Skarsgård is great. I think, you know, I've just become a bigger, bigger fan of him over the years with movies like The Northman and now this. And uh, Mia Goth is always incredible. But she's so good in this movie, but she's also insanely grating to listen to and watch. Uh, that's all I'll say. I, it's still so new that I want people to just get out and see it. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a wild one. Infinity Pool. And I really no... like Possessor. That's my favorite. Oh, it's so good. So uh, this movie isn't about swimming pools, is it? It is. It's a it's an Avengers crossover. Um, so mm-hmm. it's it's a Cronenberg Avengers crossover. Um, mm-hmm. We thought that Endgame uh, would be the last one we would see, but actually, yeah. there's a whole pool. Um, yeah, there's a whole yeah. pool of these Infinity Stones. Yeah, no, it's... even even endier game. Endier, yes, the endiest of game. The Correct. Ender's game. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right. Would you guys like to talk about our main feature presentation? If you stop wailing about it. Perfect. Oh, great, great work, great work. All right, we will be right back with our feature discussion on Nathan Jones's pick of the week. Okay. 
그냥 미끼를 던져본 것이고 안에 딸내미는 그것을 확 물어본 것이고 내 눈깔을 직접 봐야 쓰겠다 And welcome to our main feature presentation, where we're going to be talking about The Wailing, which was directed by Na Hong Jin, who also directed movies like The Chaser and Medium, both movies I haven't seen, but uh, spoiler alert, huge fan of The Wailing. So I will be going back and watching everything in this guy's catalog. Uh, Nathan, do you want to give us the synopsis of The Wailing and what, what it's about? Let's fill our listeners in if they haven't seen it. Yeah, um, it's it's a rather difficult film to kind of mention with uh, the crazy amounts of um, twists and turns that happen in the film. But uh, to kind of just give a, a general synopsis, um, we're in a remote uh, Korean village um, where we got a, kind of a, a lovely, a, lo- a loving, bumbling uh, police officer as a dad um, who uh, happens to be on the force. And uh, there's a lot of really crazy murders and deaths that have been happening lately um and he's trying to figure out why uh he along with his family um are in this this area and uh it more or less uh you start going down the different rabbit holes of like there are strange happenings there are people that we really know much about um and then start bad things start to happen i feel like that's honestly the the worst description of it possible but it's set in this really uh beautiful location and there's a really you know fantastic cinematography um and and honestly just natural sets uh, that are happening in the background but uh, it all really just centers around um like i said this family uh their dealings with a, a an old japanese man who happens to be there as a visitor um a, an old a lady that seemingly pops out of nowhere like a ghost um the the entire police force uh and uh their silly mediums um and then a, a few other people who um are there along the way um kind of uh, as red herrings and i i love uh i love this film but i don't know if i gave that justice kind of with uh, the you description i gave it. you did great it's a very dense film this this movie's coming in hot at around two hours and 40 some minutes uh so it, it's an epic and uh so this was the second time i had seen the film boozy you this was a first time watch for you correct yes overall this is a first time watch i did uh watch it again to cover this episode so i'm trying to be as fresh as possible um but yeah this is a first time watch for me uh and yeah i i thought this was this was great um i kind of want to when i get a chance to throw back to nathan just talk about why i chose it but i just want to say overall yeah as a as a first time viewing i wasn't really entirely sure what to expect going into this i hadn't read like a synopsis or anything so i was kind of just like wow the way like i don't know maybe it's just like a, a possession film or something along those lines and it really ends up being so much more and yeah i i think the the one thing that makes it kind of stand out more and i find this to be with a lot of um um 
let's say in foreign films in that area is that they have such a good job of blending like true horror with like humor and kind of goofy characters without without it being silly the way you have like the two cops and like Halloween four yeah. just be those like bumbling idiots that has like music following like the tuba mm-hmm. music so it's it, I don't know like there are some like very funny like bumbling idiot caught moments in this but I, I don't know it's just it helps to service the film in a positive way when those experiences happen you don't feel like you're taken out of the story too much with those elements and yeah it just it keeps unraveling and every time you kind of you think you have it pinned or you have a certain character yeah it just it keeps going darker and darker and I think by the end it's just like holy shit some of these ideas that you maybe had at one point that really be like maybe these things are happening like it just it flips it all on its head and i i think that's such a, a cool film and and you know what like it i it held, held up uh for me even just watching it again having you know like watched it recently and knowing that those twists are coming just to watch it again it's still like so clever it, it never like truly shows its hand until it's actually happening so it does have that that nice rewatchability to it. And I think also overall, they didn't shy away from the violence or whatever. You like, you basically start on like a crime scene and going through it in this like muddy and dingy area. I love the, uh, I also just have to say, I love the, the location, like the setting of it being this kind of like remote village. It's, it's like the equivalent to us of like the small town Saskatchewan or, you know, small town Missouri living. It's that, you know, yeah, it's, it's their, their equivalent to that kind of like slummy small towny. And I just, I think that that totally fits it. And just, it, it really does uh, help. I think with that lore, I feel like fairy tale and folklore don't work as well when it's centered in the big city but when you have those smaller stories and those smaller places they impact more yeah yeah absolutely yeah i'm uh yeah i'm a huge fan of this one i caught it like i ended up watching it during the pandemic when we were all shut down and it just absolutely blew me away but uh i hadn't given it a rewatch until we decided to do this episode and yeah, it just gets for me, it gets better on the repeat watches because you can pick up on so much more like like you all were saying, like in theory, though, it sounds like the way that we're describing it sounds convoluted or like confusing and it never is. Mm-hmm. It never is. It's just that no, the director like the in the story, it just it relies on the audience to speculate with it. And there are so many Mr. X. There's Mr. X at every turn. You have the Japanese man. There's even a theory about magic mushroom induced psychosis, uh, the man who was practicing witchcraft and then slaughtered his whole family. It's like, Jesus, like how many, how many horrible things are happening in this small village yeah. and how can, are they all connected in some way? And like, who's really to blame for what's happening. And obviously I'm a huge fan of religious horror films. And I think this movie, it, it can be classified as a religious movie. It could be classified as a ghost story it could be a demonic possession story it could be just like a a thriller it's it's wild how many hats this movie wears and i think Mm -hmm. that this is one of the best examples of something that has this much concept and this these many ideas thrown into one movie and have it just work uh i think it works from start to finish and it's it's so so fun going back to it and kind of investigating with the characters and yeah, like in mm-hmm. the opening of the movie, the opening quote is one of my favorite things. Like the, the first thing that you see in this movie, I'm going to read the quote. It's 
see my hands and my feet that that it is I myself touch me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And that's from Luke 24, 37, 39, Stone Cold, 316. One beer, two beer, what? three beers, what? a margarita. Margarita. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think that the movie just does such a great job of ramping up the panic and the, the sheer terror of what these people are dealing with. And as it becomes like increasingly more paranormal, it causes like good people to perform horrendous acts. And that's one of my favorite things in horror. Like I, I love stories that that make the good people like just so flawed and have to commit thing commit acts that you you just can't imagine putting yourself in that situation, yeah, like eating at Subway. Fuck off, eat fresh. Yeah, love love Subway. Shout out. Eat off, eat fresh. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny you bring up like that that normal like everyday kind of person uh, picks up the slack and has to like do terrible things. But like that's another reason why like the comedy works oh, yeah. so well is because like you think about how would we handle situations like that? And honestly, I think the reason why I feel like even if you're being a bumbling idiot, I feel like if we were in a situation like this, we wouldn't know what the hell is going on too. And we'd probably make similar mistakes and, uh, and it would probably seem funny in the context of things. But I I think that's the reason another thing too, is um, not just to speak on this particular film, but just the films uh, of Korea in general, I think Mm -hmm. they, they have a really good um, sense of sensibility to themselves where they can blend um, kind of that natural um, lack of awareness mixed in with whatever story they're throwing in there. And it comes off as natural. Um, And it doesn't, it doesn't throw, like you're saying, like the, you know, the tone of the film off. And uh, I think, you know, this film in particular, like we kind of mentioned, honestly, it feels like it's like, sometimes it's the exorcist. Sometimes it's silence of the lambs. Sometimes I'm watching some kind of slapstick, uh you know bit you know like with uh two cops seeing a, a naked woman at their door at a thunderstorm <laughs> things like that you know like but it all fits and meshes so well and you know it's that's what uh is so crazy about this film but that's why i probably had a hard time you know just like trying to like even give a synopsis of the whole yeah thing. <laughs> it's it's definitely it's thick and juicy it's a dense one there's so much so much happens in it but uh i think a big thing i want to mention as well for myself is that even though the movie has an insane runtime, like it's never boring. And oh, it paces so well, so incredibly well paced. And like the editing in this thing is crazy because that's something I really paid attention to on the most recent watch is like because he does lots of intercuts and like has has like, you know, this is what's happening over in this area of the village at the same time this is happening and at the same time this is happening. And you, mm-hmm. you start to see them all just connecting with each other and you can't help but like you you always feel like you're about to completely crack the case it's like okay this is absolutely what's happening in the story and then it goes to a completely different direction and um something when we start talking about the ending yeah i think i'll wait for that because i have something to say about the ending but it's just it's brilliant yeah overall i i think that um that this is a great like you guys had mentioned i'm kind of just retreading it but uh, it's not not just like it starts off feeling like, OK, this is just like a crime thriller. And then, yeah, it just it ends up being so much more by the end. And like, I, I think that from favorite scene, which I don't want to go too much into the end, but like the Polaroid scene is, is one that really 
sticks with me like the just it's if you would have told me or shown me that scene when we when we first started watching this being like this is gonna be in this film would have been like what <laughs> but yeah you know by the time you get there you're like okay i'm down for all yeah, of this. south korea just let's you guys also already mentioned it they just handle comedy so well in this and like this movie's <laughs> so fucking and uh yeah it's, it's just tremendous do you guys want to talk about the ending or nathan you yeah. look like you had something to say yeah, the only other thing I was going to mention was obviously, you know, dealing with this heavy, heavy subject material. I also in, quite enjoy the intercuts of the natural landscape that's going on in the background. Yes, I think this, yes. I know you were mentioning the the cuts, and I think the editing is really top notch. And, um, but I also just think that the, um, you know, like the, like obviously after that opening Bible verse, like you see a, a beautiful mountain and, and forest and lake, um, and the guy fishing. And then, then it just starts going uh, deeper and darker, and then it's nice and bright. And a lot of this, a lot of the horror stuff uh, actually happens in daylight yeah. uh, in very silly ways. Um, I do want to mention before we get to the ending, there's a there's a character, uh, well, a group of characters, uh, the, bu- the bumbling idiot bunches. Uh, they're <laughs> friends. They're just going out there trying to figure out what's going on. Um, there happens to be a reanimated uh, corpse. Uh, some sort we don't exactly know <laughs> what's going on with it um and uh it's a really hilarious scene a really terrifying mm-hmm. scene as well and um you know one of our our, our kind of side characters is a, a priest who just happens to be with his character these characters and um the way he gets attacked and then eventually like gets bit on top mm-hmm. of the head <laughs> yeah is just like an insane moment like it it seems like a cartoon but at the same and then at the same time like it's like it's like oh shit like we gotta get we gotta get this guy to a hospital or something um but i, I love how you know like they just can't stop this yeah. guy <laughs> this it, it's very scooby Dooish or, or like Shaun of the dead the way it just mm-hmm. like they just can't stop are we talking it? about the the jason live scene where do, homie gets electrocuted if they're talking about the one where he gets the rake in the head oh yeah he gets, that, yeah he gets yeah the that nails. one and then but then the that's i like the guy gets electrocuted by a strike of lightning and it just makes me think of Jason. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 So good. He, he mentions it. He's like, Hey, it's like getting struck by lightning and then walks away. And yeah. Struck by lightning. <laughs> so good. All right. Well, yeah. So clearly all of our listeners, anyone tuning in right now know that we're all big fans of this one. So huge recommend. Thank you, Nathan, for bringing this one to the table. Uh, yeah, we are going to totally. delve into a little bit of spoilers just to close the episode out. But um, yeah, this one I know in Canada it's available on Shutter. Uh, is this in the all the Haunts BRs box set? No, it is not. Um, there is a pretty like um, accessible Blu-ray. I think it probably ranges anywhere from like fifteen to twenty Sweet. bucks. But it's, it's well, yeah, it's good. big big recommend. So uh, if you don't want anything spoiled, then now is your time to check out. But uh, we'll give you. Yeah, yeah give you a few seconds filibustering the letting people get their phones out so they can pause all right let's get into the ending so this is another one like i was kind of talking about it with knock at the cabin but eventually we learned that Hong jin like the director of this film he decides to lean into ambiguity in this movie and makes the audience a part of the investigation and i feel like ultimately he does give us an answer but that answer in itself is shrouded with questions so the while we I, I i've just read a few reviews where people are saying that they it doesn't really have an ending and i'm like i couldn't disagree more like it it does tell you exactly what's happening and what happened 
But that's what I love about it. So the movie opens up basically with them all assuming that it was it's the Japanese man, that he's the one responsible for all this. And then we get these like fucking dozen other red herrings. And by the end of it, you find out it actually is the Japanese man. Um, and I think that's brilliant. I, I really love it. What do you guys feel about that? I also love it. And I know that Uzi has more to say about it because he, he had mentioned this particular scene. Um, but it is a horrifying scene that I, uh, I quite enjoy because I, I, do, I do feel like up and until that point, even when, even when all that's going down, I, you still kind of feel like, it's like, is this person involved in something? You can't really mm-hmm. tell. Well, think, especially Boozy? especially when you have this character that the entire time you're like okay i'm pretty sure it's this one they keep throwing me off and then you have this character like lo- supposedly die so you're like yeah. okay we're done with this character he gets he gets so much be- he gets beat up so much in this movie oh, oh my god he's yeah he's like a a rag doll he just gets thrown around the entire time yeah do you guys feel like and obviously this is throwing this one out of left field and giving you guys no time to prepare for it. But do you feel like the movie has like an overall message? And if so, what, how do, what do you feel it is? Cause I have my theory. Boozy, do you have something? Uh, I'm going to say that it's uh, sex, drugs and rock and yes. roll. That's a, that's a good theory. Yeah. yeah I don't I feel like yeah. the general message that I get from this movie is that, Basically, anything can happen to anyone, regardless of your social status, your sex, your age, your ethnicity or your belief structure. It doesn't fucking matter. Evil will and can find you. And those are yeah, those are some of my favorite stories. Like, I I love when it's like there doesn't need to be an on the nose answer. It's just, you know, wrong place, wrong time. Or like you never know when evil is going to hit you or your close one. Shit happens. Yeah. That's my theory. Yeah, I was going to say that. I mean, that's a that's a that's a good theory. And I, honestly, I, I, I dig your point about the fact that there doesn't always need to be an answer. And I think that actually is at the heart of a lot mm-hmm. of folklore, honestly. Like if like, I mean, I think with a lot of these stories that we watch and, and you know, um, I'll just use the Wicker Man as an example. Obviously, we get an ending. It's like but, but like <laughs> I feel like in folklore, the good guy, you know, the normal person is never going yeah, to they make never it win and i think and they never win and it, it i think that might be another uh main focus of what's going on in this film um is like you're saying the bad things happen to anybody literally anybody and i and i, I will say there's some sub themes i feel like of like neglect yeah. that happen um in this um and just with our i know like with our main character he's got like kind of a slothish nature to him and kind of a lackadaisical <laughs> you know which makes him so like you know it's, he's not your local. classic macho machismo it makes cop you at all care about him more though i feel like he's real like he feels like yeah, a real exactly. father yeah and then that, and that's what i was trying to get at is like you don't fault him yeah. for this um but at the same time it's just like it, it it it's funny to me to think you know that we are following this guy and and all the the things that are happening around him and we're more or less pretty much a projection of this person. And then at the end of the, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter um, what's going on. We're going to face um, the reality of the fact that we don't understand yeah. anything. No, totally. <laughs> and I, I like that. It doesn't, uh, cause it doesn't feel like you can't say that this is a, 
it's not a religious horror movie. It, it definitely plays with those those elements, but I think it's like there we we truly don't know who God is and what God is and what they're capable of, and whether they're gonna whether they're gonna be on your side or not, when and how. It's it's just so interesting to me, and it's very nihilistic, and like I'm a big fan mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff. Um, so I yeah I really really connected with it, but I feel like he absolutely gives us an answer because we see the Japanese man at the end, and he just it basically shows us that this is an ending he's going to find other people it's going to affect other people affect infect possess all of the above it is just what a wild big bad that we have here in the whaling it's such a great iconic character so i love that you brought this to the table i love that we were able to give it some give it some love and hopefully get some folks to check it out hmm. so, some folks will to whale yeah. out and watch it. any uh Yo, get your get your cameras out and see what what, what can come from exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> Any last thoughts about the the whaling from either of you? Um, the the last thing I would I would add is um, you know, go into this like we kind of mentioned. Um, if anyone's picking up from the lack of spoils, um, but if anyone's going into this, I you know, looking at the the daunting runtime, I definitely uh, second what Mitch was saying about the like just the pace of the film, it definitely just keeps going. Um, every 10 minutes, something crazy happens and uh, mm-hmm. it's super engaging. And I think, um, you know, despite uh, its nihilistic <laughs> tendency, um, it really is uh, a really well-balanced movie. And I, I highly recommend it for people who are just fans of horror in general. And then if you're a full core fan, you're, this is second nature yeah. for you. Boozy. Yeah. Boozy girl. Um, boozy. I hardly know her. Um, hey. I just, <laughs> yeah. I I want to reflect overall, like what Nathan has said. That yeah, it it does uh, look like a daunting runtime, but as a kind of crime thriller thriller that unfolds in front of you, it doesn't feel like that. And yeah, it has enough personality and character that you don't ever feel like it's a very procedural overall. I think it's a it's a lot of. Uh, you know, you, you stick with it and you try and guess along. Good experience. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. All right. Well, yeah, once again, Nathan, thank you so much for joining. We finally were able to yeah. make it happen. I'm so happy that we could. Uh, before we close out, though, can you tell silly catchphrase? I started saying when I was making videos, um, but yeah, I mostly talk about physical media, um, kind of what the the current trends are when at least when it comes to like new releases um i do some some blu-ray uh haul videos and hunting videos with some friends uh i do some conversations as well i know mitch has been on uh to do a film journey um with just you know content creators uh, across the youtube platform podcasts all all that anyone who's talking about film i want to you know talk about and you know kind of showcase in the community and that's that really is kind of a big focus on my on my channel but lately it's been you know i have a little projects in my my you know movie room uh that i've been dealing with um and uh just trying to find time to to film something um just to get some some good content for people but um i just love this community um and i also love you know the podcast community as well and uh so i'm really thankful to uh, be on this and uh, with you guys. Yeah, so. absolutely. And speaking of the podcast community, you just joined uh, joined the army yourself with a, a podcast called Scouring the Depths. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. So Scouring the Depths is with uh, a former roommate of mine. And uh, he kind of came across this because he, 
he um him and i have very similar music tastes and i'm talking about like even outside of metal like we like the same things which is just, uh insane but we do have a shared interest in in like i said heavy music and so punk uh hardcore and metal kind of uh at the, the core of the whole thing and so uh yeah so we've been we've been doing that for the last like six months or so or a little bit less than that probably and uh right now we're just finishing up our post metal series and uh so i think we're we're talking about russian circles and pelican in this in this newest episode um but we we talked about isis and neurosis and um, a couple of other heavy hitters in that genre um but yeah we talk about all sorts of things from you know we may pick a year and do a series on that like we did in 2012 um you know at the start of the show and then we can talk about hardcore melodic death metal. Um, there's all sorts of things. We have spotlights on albums and uh, on people and, and things like that. So uh, it's very exciting. There's endless topics. And uh, I, I don't know, eventually we might get guests, but that's up to him. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, if you're interested in heavy music cool. and you want to give that one a listen, pull the trigger, bitch. That's a suicide silence. Fucking do it. Yeah, That's a suicide silence reference. Death core. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening to another episode of The Terror Table. It was so great having you on, Nathan. Yeah, thank um, you, Nathan. Well, we will see you guys next time where we are going to be kicking off New Metal March. See you in yeah. a couple. Yeah, see you in a little bit. Thanks, everyone. Whoosh-ah. Oh, wow.